Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. I have the honor of having Matt Arnold twice in one week here taking the place of Jesse. Matt, thanks for stepping up to the plate, literally. Well, always a pleasure to be here, Terry. It's a pleasure to have you all these years and collaborating in the vineyard of the Lord, as they say. Matt, today's feast is the chair of St. Peter the Apostle. I know that means something to you. It should mean something to everyone about the unity of the church with the successor of St. Peter. All the popes have succession. Uh, Today, we're going to have a a great show. I've had people ask me about it. And what we're going to be doing, I think I I named the show that uh, saints don't fear, saints fear hell, saints don't deny it. Uh, I mean, uh, sinners deny it. And so this, why do I bring this up? Because we're going to be covering problem solution in the church. Now, I know Bishop Sheen said, who's going to save the church? He says, not the bishops, not the priests, not the religious. It's up to you people. Now, I, Matt and I are just two guys who have uh, a love for Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, and that we've been studying our Catholic faith most of our lives, okay? I mean, seriously. And we want to share it with people. So the problems in the church and in the world, and I'm just going to name some of those in the second segment, but then you're going to want to hear the solution because we're going to go to what the saints have done. And I think you're going to be surprised how many saints were persecuted from within the Catholic Church. Not just St. Padre Pio in our lifetime, but St. Alphonsus. I could give you uh, you know, so many more, and I'll give them to you later in the show. And, and I want to do something that I think is incredibly important. Thomas Akempis, this is his book, Imitation of Christ. It's the second most read book in Christendom. Now, why is that, Matt? And Matt is going to tell us because this is something I had him read on the cassette tape, I think, maybe 20-some years ago, I think, because it's such a great book. But this is part of his spirituality, and I want it to become part of all of our spirituality, that book called Imitation of Christ. But Matt, before we get to all of that, um, I want to just, uh, well, I won't even go to the good to know file. I'd like to get into the gospel because I think you have some commentary that I think is going to be worth hearing. So what's the reading for today's gospel reading? All right. So the gospel for today, Matthew 16, 13 through 19. When Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Mm-hmm. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the, to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And thus far the words of the Holy Gospel. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah, well, this is a, a passage of Scripture that's probably well known to most Catholics, certainly anybody that's been involved in Bible study, sure. Catholic Bible study, or apologetics, evangelization. It is the foundation of the papacy. It's the foundation of of the church. Yeah, And there's a lot here, of course. There's many parallels in it, just beginning with the fact that uh, Matthew tells us they were at Caesarea Philippi. 
where there was there was a great temple to the pagan gods there. The pagan gods of Rome was built on a huge foundation of natural rock. Mm -hmm. And nearby there was a cave. And because no one had ever been able to sound the depths of the cave, like a bottomless pit, it became known local locally as the gates of Hades. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you can see that these are all illusions that our Lord is making about that the church is the true um, house of God. Right. And that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Right. It's in the shadow of this pagan pantheon that he establishes the true church and built on the foundation of truth and true faith and to be safeguarded by Peter and his successors. You know, it's interesting. The word church is only used three times in the gospel. That's interesting. Yeah. It's here and, and uh, twice in Matthew 18. Wow. Right, uh, 18, 17. If he won't listen, take it to the church. If he refuses to listen to the church, let him be anathema. That's right. Yeah. And that, that in here, that's the only times the word uh, Jesus used the words church. Right? It's the only time it appears in the gospel. Mm. And he says this church is going to have Peter as the foundation stone. Now, the real foundation uh, is, is faith in Jesus, the Son of God, which Peter exemplifies. Of course. But, but Peter's going to have the primacy amongst the apostles. He's going to be the visible head of the church, and as will his successors, the popes. Sure. And the gates of hell here designate the powers of sin and death and the devil. And, and Christ promises that the church is going to resist all of the vicissitudes of time because of her foundation on the rock. Now, Everybody knows this pretty well, I think. I, I just gave it a, a quick summary. Yeah. Because I wanted to focus on uh, the words, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Mm. Peter's father, we know from the gospel, his father's name is John. And John and Jonah are not the same name. It's not like two different versions of the same name. They're very different. They have different etymological roots. Yep. John, uh, the, the English name John, we get it from the Hebrew, Yohanan, which means God is gracious. Right? That's what John means. Jonah means dove. And it's significant because there's a parallel here. You are the Christ, the son of the father, and you are the rock, the son of the dove. Right? Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I, I, I was immediately reminded of the baptism of Jesus. Mm. He comes up out of the water. What happens? The Holy Spirit descends like a dove and the father's voice is heard. So Peter makes his confession of the faith, and Jesus says, my father has revealed this to you through the Holy Spirit, right? Because you are the, the quote-unquote, the son of the dove. Yep. And it's, well, it's so easy to miss because obviously we don't speak Aramaic, you know, so that's a bit of a handicap. But, uh, you know, but I think that's, that's significant, this relationship between the church and the church's ministry and the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, the other thing is, he gives Peter the, the power of the keys, right? This is the symbol of royal authority yep. the king of Israel would give to his prime minister. We read sure. about it in Isaiah 21. Well, Peter then becomes Christ's representative on earth. We used to say vicar of Christ. I right. mean, the current vicar of Christ doesn't particularly care for that title, but uh, uh, be that as it may, uh, the Pope, Peter, is given the power to bind and loose, right. to condemn or absolve, to prohibit or allow, Right. Peter is called to lead the church, and the church's mission is nothing less, nothing other, than to uh, continue Christ's earthly ministry until he comes again. So Peter, and I think this is significant, he's given the keys because he's the doorkeeper. Yeah. All right? Um, the popes and the bishops are called to teach, right? Teach, govern, and sanctify. But they're not the capital T, teacher. Christ is our teacher. Right. Right. Uh, we call the Pope and uh, the bishops and even our priests, we call them Father, Holy Father. Yeah. But the Pope isn't our 
capital F Father. God is our Father. Amen. And again, and, and it's uh, and it's in Matthew's Gospel that Jesus points this out. <clears throat> so the, the the role of the popes is as doorkeeper. They're there to to make sure that the teachings of Christ and the love of the Father are communicated to the faithful. Right? They're not there to make up uh, the religion as they go, so to speak. And the other thing that gets me is like after this episode, immediately after the very next verse, um, Matthew tells us that Jesus made it clear to his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem to endure great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes that he was going to be put to death and raised on the third day. And, and Peter doesn't focus in on that raised on the third day part. Yeah. <laughs> right? The next verse tells us Peter too, this is a, uh, Verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, yeah. saying, God forbid, Lord, such a fate must never happen to you. And Jesus turns to Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, You are a stumbling block. You're a scandal to me. Mm -hmm. Right. You, and, and he says, you are not thinking or you are thinking not as God does, but as men do. So just three verses after Jesus founds the church on Peter, gives him the power of the keys, and all of that based on him being the son of the dove, being inspired by God, right? Three verses later, he calls him Satan, yeah. and a stumbling block, a scandal, and an obstacle. Get behind me. Wow. I'm going to trip over you, right? He says, you're not thinking as God does, but as men do. Now, I believe that St. Matthew, when he organizes gospel under the inspiration of that same Holy Spirit, put this here for a reason. Amen. Okay, And I believe that it's so that we can understand the distinction in the papacy between the office and the man who holds the office. Of course. Right? Yeah. I, I, and, and that's the thing. I, I think that it's important for Catholics to understand that if they make a cult of personality yeah, that's out of the man in the nope. chair of Peter, yep. you do so at your own peril. Amen. Well said. Now you know why I didn't say need to know file. I didn't want to cut. I wanted <laughs> to get you to, I knew what you were going to say because you've said this many times to me in the past. It was well worth it. Let me see if I can squeeze in. Let me see the time. Yeah, Bishop Sheen, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Full, full Sheen ahead. He said this, and I mentioned this last month. He said, if I were not a Catholic and I were looking for the true church in the world today, I would look for the one church which did not get along well with the world. In other words, I would look for the church which the world hates. Now, I bring this up, Matthew, because when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the problems in the church as, you know, the worldly problems we have and the problems in the state and the government and it seems like the blurring of the problems are inside the church. And so when I point out these problems, we're going to point out solutions in segment three and four that I think will really inspire you, at least it's inspiring me, to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. That's the focus of Virgin Most Powerful Radio. No other purpose other than to help you get to heaven. And when we come back, we're going to hope to do that. Stay with us, family. You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. Matt, I'm just having too much fun. And I'll tell you why I have fun. Because anytime I can talk about the person of Jesus Christ... It always excites me because I know what Jesus has done for me. 
and I know what he can do for you, our listener. Now, I'm going to shift gears. This is going to be painful to have to cover this in this segment, but I'm going to be covering the problems that we have in the church, and then, of course, segment three and four, we're going to get to the solutions. But we all know about Cardinal McCarrick. I mean, this has been around for de- for a decade or so. Uh, but I but I challenge is this. Bishop Joseph Strickland asked the bishops' conference, hey, our lay people want to know who's connected with McCarrick so we can clean our church up. And of course, it didn't happen. There was no transparency. And as a layman, I appreciated what Bishop Strickland did. This was before I even knew. I never met him in my life. And I said, wow, now that's a, that's, that's a legitimate question. Who knew what so we can clean the, the problems? I do that at work when you have an employee. Well, who are these? What are they trying to do and who's connected with them? So I, I think that that needs to be done. And it's also needing to be done right now with the uh, victims for Father Rupnik. And we've talked about him over the months here that this whole situation where uh, he was abusing nuns sexually with pornography was horrible. I won't even want to talk about it other than I don't get, again, in the church, he gets relieved of his Jesuit, uh, the Jesuits throw him out, and then the Catholic Church uh, excommunicates him. And then within 30 days, now, he gets reinstated so he can go back to his parish in Europe. Yeah, not just reinstated, but, but uh, yeah. Yeah, re- go the to parish. the parish. And I have to say this. I understand there's only one person who can remove bishops or excommunicate people, and that's the Holy Father. So, you know, I, I just want to say that that I don't get it as a layman. So these are problems that we have. And then, of course, we just, I was at the Religious Ed Congress in Los Angeles last week, and I don't go anymore, but I went since 1973 to about 2017, then I stopped. Because it, it was just, uh, it was horrible, okay? Well, Cardinal McCarrick, no, Cardinal McElroy from San Diego, uh, this last weekend, it's all on recordings, he said the Senate in October could end the link between the diaconate and the priesthood to allow female deacons. Okay, Matthew, you just said a role that the Holy Father isn't there to come up with new doctrines. He's to Mm. confirm us in our faith. That's that's my term. Maybe you didn't use that term, but that's a fair statement for the Bishop of Rome to confirm us. And what I see cardinals... That's that's right from Jesus. Yes, When when you uh, uh, have been converted, strengthen your brethren. Exactly, Matthew. And so these, these cardinals who are coming up with what I call new ideas. And let me just share a quick story that I think people will like. I'm, I was close friends with, with um, Father Benedict Rochelle. God rest his soul. He died years ago. He was at the Religious Congress in 1998. And I'll never forget. He called me because what happened is he heard a Jesuit priest at the Religious Ed Congress speak before him, say that it doesn't matter if Jesus Christ physically resurrected from the dead. It's not a big deal. And Father Benedict Rochelle couldn't keep his mouth shut. He had something common like I do. When you see Mm -hmm. error, you talk about the truth. And so he said to the audience, thousands of people there, what you just heard from this man is not what the Catholic Church teaches. Disregard it, because Jesus Christ did physically resurrect from the dead. All right, now let me give you my talk. Well, (laughs) yeah, he did that. 
And then he yeah. got kicked out of the Congress because he they considered him being imprudent correcting somebody in public. Well, that was the same year I got, I won't go into the details, I got kicked out of the Congress. So Father Benedict Rochelle calls me and says, Terry, how are you? I said, good. He said, I hear you got booted out of the Religious Ed Congress this year. And I said, how'd you know that? He says, well, I, I got ways. He said, so did I. So shake on it. That was his New York approach to say we got something in common. Well, why do I bring this up? Because I think we're called to be saints. And sometimes the saints, and not just sometimes, but they almost every time they've been persecuted from within. It's, it's a common thing. Not just Padre Pio in our lifetime, Joan of Arc, St. Alphonsus Liguori, Father St. Damien, who was just yesterday saint. I can go in and in. This is a, a book I have called Persecution from Within with uh, Joshua Charles. I'm going to be recording an interview with him a week from Friday. And we're going to find out that this is like par for the course, Matt. So when somebody in the church is being persecuted, like Bishop Strickland, don't be surprised, folks, when we're dead, that someday he'll be a saint in the Catholic Church because he went against the grain and said, I'm not going to compromise. So I'm giving you all of these examples of... Cardinal Hollerick, I'm giving you Cardinal McElroy, the Rubnick situation, the Cardinal McCarrick. We are living in times where in the church, many of these people just don't believe that the consequences of their action, like I give you an example, and I know this is just trying to be funny, but it's true. When I've heard people say, well, I went to confession and the, and the priest said, oh, um, he told me, he says, how many times have you committed adultery? And he said, only twice. And he said, don't worry about it. It's only two times. And I said, he really said that to you? I said, that's, that's, just keep it out of double figures, you know? I mean, come on. <laughs> Matthew, I, I just, this is what some of the confessors are saying to our flock, and it's just not right, okay? It's, it's, it's bad theology. But how is that coming in? It's because, and I'm going to give my commitment, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Good philosophy breeds good theology. I believe many of the priests in the last 60 years just haven't been formed well, and they haven't been taught uh, in this teaching that souls do go to hell. Many of these guys in the seminary have been taught that very few people go to hell. Read Matthew 25, okay? And that's not what the Bible says. So I want to turn this over because... The next segment, we're going to look at Thomas Akempis and other saints to have solutions. But Matthew, this situation in the church where there's corruption at its highest levels, uh, I think it's concerning many lay people. And I just don't want people to go, well, if they don't believe, why should I? Ah, yeah, there you go. That's, that's, the, that's the wrong attitude. And obviously, that's it's not the attitude of the saints because no. they were dealing with the very same kind of issues. Exactly. Where, and maybe not as maybe not as pronounced, maybe even worse, depending upon the, the history, you know, the history and the circumstances. Yep. You know, we've, we've had some pretty bleak times. A thousand years ago. About the 2,000 years of the, of the church. Yep. Yes, absolutely. But uh, for me, I think uh, yep. I was I was thinking about it this morning. We were talking about this and you yep. were talking about um, the imitation of Christ, which, you know, is uh, a part of my yeah. personal spirituality. That's I'm very much uh, um I would say addicted to the imitation of Christ. I, you know, I'm, good thing to be addicted uh, to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but but one of the things that that he speaks about 
and that people don't, you said people are not afraid to go to hell. It's because people don't have any fear of the Lord. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I think people are uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable with the word fear, largely because of modern psychology. Yeah. And we'll get into that later. But but fear of the Lord, it, it it's it's a gift of the Holy Ghost. I mean, it's it's one of the, you go to confirmation, that's one of the things that you're granted is the fear of the Lord. That's right. And, and they, they, they try and kind of explain it away. Yeah. And, and that, and that's a mistake. And, and the interesting thing, of course, you know, I, I always go on and on about how I have a medieval mentality, Yep. but, but uh, so does the catechism of the Catholic church. I mean, you don't have to go back to the Roman catechism or, or, you know, talk to some traditionalist priest or whatever. It's right there. That's right. Filial fear is, is a virtue. It's rooted in love and reverence for God. I mean, it's, it's not the fear of punishment. It's not the fear of harm. It is a profound respect uh, and reverence. Yes. And, and, you know, we use the word awe. You know, people think of that. It's like, well, that's what, if you remember that you saw the Wizard of Oz, you know, when Dorothy and the okay. Tin Man and the rest are in, front of, yeah. are in front of Oz, that's what they're experiencing. Right. Like the knees are shaking, because, but it's awe. It's this profound uh, uh, reverence and respect, you know. Um, and we owe that to God in justice because of his majesty and his holiness and right. his power, all of which are infinite. Right. You know, fear of the Lord is, is just acknowledging that God's the creator and sustainer of all things. Right. And, and we're not, you know, it's about recognizing our depend, recognizing our dependence on him. And then that then is closely related to other virtues that are sorely lacking and absolutely necessary in our situations. It's humility, mm. trust, truth, obedience, mm. right? The obedience of faith. Yes. And and recognizing, and this is where it comes back to uh, Thomas Akempis. Yeah, and and I understand. You know, I mean, some people might be better off with with the uh, introduction to the devout life, or and Francis or de Sales, yeah, abandonment to divine providence, Pierre Cassad, yeah, or or uh, or you know, the little way of, of little flower, sure, the, the little flower, yeah, Teresa of Lisieux, yep, or and, you know, and which are is, is nicely encapsulated in the, in the works of Father Paulo Sullivan. Yeah, that's right. right. Little books. I mean, you know, he really uh, kind of encompasses the little way in, in a way that's really applicable. And all of that is good. But for me, I'm the kind of person, I'm very choleric, and I need that kick in the pants. And Thomas <laughs> Akempis is there to give it to me. You know, so it, it's about recognizing my limitations, yes. recognizing my weaknesses, not to not to beat myself up, but but to understand that relationship, to compare those to God's greatness. Yes, that's what prompts you to submit yourself to the will of God. That's what that's where you, what makes you want to seek His guidance and wisdom, and not live according to your own lights, but to live in accordance with the commandments, because you know that that's, you know, I mean, look at God, look at me. Okay, what's the right thing to do here? You know, and and catechism. It's actually um, I looked it up. It's in paragraph eighteen twenty nine. As the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yep. Right. It disposes one to uh, to avoid sin and detach oneself from what is contrary to God's will. Yep. It's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom, and is created with the faithful in the womb. That's Sirach one fourteen. That fear of the Lord, it's it's innate. It's a part of you. Yep. And the only way you get around it is by by turning a blind eye to God. Right. We're not talking about some kind of oppressive fear but a healthy transformative kind of fear that leads us to grow in holiness and and to get closer to god to deepen our relationship with him and recognize the consequences of sin which is what, how this all started <laughs> and to turn away from that exactly and instead to seek you know reconciliation and forgiveness uh from god to seek uh you know to go to the sacrament of reconciliation and and be 
you know, and be healed of, of, of your of your sins, be absolved. It's it's about love, it's about deeper union with God. And and if you grow in that this virtue of the fear of the Lord, you come to understand God's love and mercy in a way that far surpasses any fear. Absolutely. And and you want to respond to him with, you know, with trust and, and grace and gratitude. Well said. I would just add one other thought, and that is the practice, therefore, imposing upon ourselves every day a sacrifice of expiation. That also is a very important aspect mm. of living the faith. For those dying in mortal sin, for engaged, injury, injured priests, and all this, always consider this pain that we have in a supernatural way, rather than saying, go take two pills, or, you know, pain is wasted. No, pain has value. Hey, when we come back, step up to the plate with the saints. Yeah. What did Thomas Kempis have to say about living the Christ-centered life? You're going to love this, folks. Stay with us. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. This segment is being sponsored to you by Real Estate for Life. Just go to vmpr.org. If you're thinking about buying or selling a house, and, you know, if you click on their uh, icon on our website, when the escrow closes, a portion of the commission going to the salespeople who promoted the sale of your property comes back to VMPR, not out of your pocket, but out of the commission. So it doesn't cost you a penny. So if you're thinking about selling, Real Estate for Life's on our website. Click on that, and I wish you the best. Matthew, I'm excited about talking now about the positive side of our faith. And I mean, negative is that we see all the corruption. We see the challenges. We see, you know, um, things that aren't being taught properly. But let's let's be honest. Let's talk about the solution, which is falling deep in love with Jesus. And as I was saying earlier in the show, Thomas Akempis, is it, is it still the second most read book in Christendom? Yeah, the most popular... Uh... Most popular Christian book after the Holy Bible. Now, and why why that's, is that's that? That's amongst Protestants as well as well as Catholics. I didn't realize that. So, so if that is the case, what is the? Just give us an overview first of all. What makes Imitation of Christ such a powerful book in helping people fall deep in love with Jesus? Well, uh, first thing I, yeah. I think I mentioned earlier in the program yeah. about talking to confirmation kids years ago, yeah. and yeah. and a girl says, "I can't be happy unless I can do whatever I want." Right. And, I, and I, I told that child that the recipe for happiness is not to do what you want, but to do what God wants. Amen. And our Lord himself gave us the formula, not my will, but thine be done. Right. And, and, and that's it. I mean, Aquinas, or not Aquinas, but Akempis, in, uh, in essence, it's, it's the gospel. It's just about applying it to your life. And, and it's, it's in four books. And, uh, and a, a number of them, a number of editions, I actually omit the fourth book because it's um it's all about the eucharist yeah right so you can see where there are primary our protestant friends wouldn't be as no you know on that as we are sure but um but the first book especially is on useful admonitions for the spiritual life and you know and if you're just approaching it i would suggest to you that you go through the first book and then go through it again mm-hmm. before you before you move on to the other teachings and of, of a campus really you know, try and try and embrace these useful because it's very practical. Yeah. And it starts, you know, page one. I just happen to have it with me right here. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> on on you know the, the very first chapter, he starts off by saying, you know, uh, quoting John eight twelve, 
uh, no one who follows me will ever walk in darkness. Mm -hmm. Right? It, it's about having the light of Christ. The, the Christ's teaching surpasses that of all the saints. But to find the spiritual nourishment, you must seek to have the spirit of Christ. He says that to be learned and able to discuss the Trinity, you know, uh, my paraphrase is it's not going to get you anywhere if you don't have humility and, right. and therefore are not pleasing to the Holy Trinity in the first place. Right. You know, um, you know, lofty words are not going to make you a saint. It's only a virtuous life that makes you dear to God. Amen. That, that is some, I mean, um, and this is a, this is a, well, I was paraphrasing, but I'm, I'm reading from a more modern translation because I don't, I don't want to have to do the translation from the old English right. uh, you know, to take the time for that. And, and it's an edition from a Catholic book publishing company in giant print. And it's just, it's so very accessible, mm -hmm. but I've of the opinion, especially if you look at the older version, I mean, it's literally every sentence in here deserves to be embroidered on a throw pillow, mm, you know, <laughs> or made a sampler because yeah. it, you know, it's, it's that profound. But the, right at the beginning, he tells us vanity of vanities and all is vanity. That's, that's, um, you know, Solomon from uh, the book Ecclesiastes, but, a campus being a Christian, he adds this. He says, vanity of vanities and all his vanities, except to love God and serve him alone. Amen. Well said. That's the thing. And so it's all it's all about this. But in the very second one, yes, very second chapter is what we've been talking about. The title is On Having a Humble Opinion of Yourself. Yeah. You know, I think some folks think that the imitation's outdated because you know, you see that language there. He talks about mortification. He right. talks about the, the fact that you should consider yourself as nothing. Recognize your worthlessness, he says. Have, have a, a wholesome contempt of yourself. <laughs> you know, it's like these days, that sounds like a, that's a contradiction. How can contempt be wholesome? Yeah, exactly. You know, it goes right against modern psychology. It tells us, you know, I'm okay, you're okay. Exactly. Uh, you know, you don't feel bad about it, all of that. It's like, yeah, keep out of the double digits, <laughs> like you said. <laughs> right. You know, and, 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 after all, right, they, they taught us in the 60s that it's low self-esteem. That's the problem with the, with the kids today. That's, mm -hmm. that's what's behind juvenile delinquency and all of that. But, you know, well, ever since embracing that, modern psychology, uh, kids today have a higher opinion of themselves than ever before. Yep. I mean, you know, if you look at the disciplinary problems in the 50s, right? Yeah. What, what's the big issues? You know, not, not putting your waste paper in the trash can, yeah. Yeah. doing gum, yeah. you know, uh, making noise in the hall, being tardy. Yeah. And now it's... You, pregnancy and sexually transmitted disease right. and, and sexual assault and, right. and, you know, widespread disorder in the classroom, verbally abusing the teachers, yeah. but the kids, but they feel good about themselves. Yeah. You know? And so I think it's important that we have to get back to understanding that um, we are, we have a fallen nature Yeah, that we have the concupiscence and, and really that having a humble opinion of, of yourself, it's about, well, it's the problem of worldliness and then the concupiscence of the eyes, as it's called, right? That's in that's in First uh, um, John chapter two, right, um, where he talks about uh, pride of life and the concupiscence of the eyes, concupiscence of the flesh, and concupiscence of the eyes. I mean, that's really kind of the number one thing I think, because it's it's an unwholesome curiosity. Yeah, it's an inordinate love of of worldly things, of the world's goods, and then the world's goods are good, but they're not absolute goods. Right. They're relative goods. Right. And and and, you know, if you have this unreasonable desire to see and hear and know what is harmful to virtue and inconsistent with your state in life, detrimental to your higher duties, that goes a long way towards explaining what's going on, what's wrong in the church, because that's exactly what uh, I mean, that you couldn't get a better description of modern media. Right. And I would also add to that 
uh, that suicide problem in hmm. the culture is out of control. And I think that when young people are told, you know, there's no boundaries, no boundaries, just do what you feel what is best because you're, you're, you're an individual and you have that authority to make up whatever you want. And so uh, sometimes they live vicariously in another life and then they realize this isn't what it was supposed to be and they get depressed to a point where, by golly, they, they actually commit suicide because they don't want to be here anymore. It seems to me that if we could introduce them to the person of Christ and show them uh, the true meaning and purpose of life, it's going to avoid a lot of problems of suicide. And not only suicide, Matthew, but we have uh, our sexual appetite way out of control when you got 110 million people with sexually transmitted diseases in America. It seems to me that the Catholic faith, and Thomas Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas is doing nothing more than sharing the gospel. Everything he says he quotes so many times the, the Bible and showing it's a biblical teaching. So it seems to me that uh, Thomas Akempis, his book, I would recommend people getting it. Now, they can, we can listen to it if you don't want to be a reader, and I think we have it mm -hmm. on our catholicrc.org website. You can download the audio files. But the point I'm trying to make is this is really the answer for not just the world in the sense of the secular world, but for everyone because what he's giving us is giving your life to Jesus Christ and saying, I am nothing, I give it all to Jesus, and I'm going to live a life centered on his teaching and deny myself even legitimate, are you ready? This, this is ter terrible for psycho. even legitimate goods. I'm going to have discipline to say, I'm going to say no at the dinner table and say, I'm just going to eat this, and I'm not going to get my second helping because I'm going to offer that up for some poor soul. This is the kind of life that Thomas Akempis and the gospel demand, but we're not hearing that. That's why I think it's important that you teach us more about Thomas Akempis. You know, I, I'm going to say one thing about the imitation of Christ. Okay. And I think you actually brought this up when we were talking before yeah. the show. Yeah. Is you were talking about all these saints and the fact that Thomas Akempis has not been canonized. He's right. not a saint right. in the church. Right. And yet, how many saints oh, yeah. Uses say that the reason that they became saints is because they read the imitation of Christ? Yep. <laughs> you know, how much influence has he had? Oh, huge. You know, and, and I would even go, I'd take a step even further back that that uh, the big, uh, if there's a single influence on Thomas Kempis, uh aside from the gospel, it would be Bernard of Clairvaux. That's right. You did mention it's, that. Yeah, it's very medieval. Yeah. And I have to say this. Well, you know, <laughs> Um, uh, a campus was part of um, a movement called the, the Devotio Moderna, right? The modern devotion. And so sometimes, like I teach RCA and seven people ask, you know, you get around talking about spirituality and say, well, what's your spirituality? What do you do? I say, well, I, I'm, a, um, I'm a follower of the modern devotion. <laughs> modern devotion, what's that? I said, well, it was, you know, <laughs> something that started in the 60s, yeah. 1360s. Exactly. Because, <laughs> you, know, you know, people, Human nature hasn't changed, Terry. Right. No, it hasn't. You know, people are people. The, the, the truth doesn't have an expiration date. Nope. And and uh, what Thomas Kempis has managed to do is is you know distill so much of this into ways that and it's you know um, kind of bite sized chunks and it's sobering and it's and it's sometimes it's difficult but that's precisely what the gospel does. Right. 
You know, if you read the gospel and say everything's fine with me, <laughs> you need to read it again. Yeah. All right. Because it's like uh, God, uh, Jesus came to to comfort the afflicted. He also came to afflict the comfortable. You know, you mentioned that, that you know, again, when we were talking privately, you said that in our world today, you know, we look at the way we live. Yeah. You know, we have three meals a day and clean water and, yeah. and, and fresh vegetables and access to, yeah. to everything we need. And it hasn't been like that no. throughout human history. Nope. But I would point this out in medieval Christendom, even though, you know, sometimes it was hard to find clean water and they didn't have uh, indoor plumbing mm -hmm. and there weren't any electric lights and there were no smartphones. Right. Suicide was almost non-existent. Isn't that interesting? That's 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 actually a great point. It says something about uh, what they were living. We call it the dark ages, really. I think it was just the opposite, Matt, the light ages, because they knew the meaning and purpose of life, and they were focused on that rather than on themselves. Uh, that's just my take. Matt, we're going to take a quick break here and get back to the Thomas Kempis book and also talk about some of the saints who have been persecuted by the church and how they lived through that and uh, struggled, but uh, continue to proclaim Christ and Him crucified. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jess Romero. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 526 2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Actually, it's Matt Arnold and Terry Barber, and we're talking about the imitation of Christ and why that book is such, such an important book for anyone who wants to follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, we're talking about uh, how the saints persevered in difficult times. I mean, a thousand years ago, you know, St. Damien was dealing with you know, sexual misconduct in the church, just like we are right now. So we've been here before, but I want to bring a couple saints up who had great, and were persecuted greatly during their life, and then they ended up becoming canonized saints. Number one, Saint Athanasius. He was exiled five times. His, the persecution on him, they wanted to kill him because he was never compromising on the faith. And then there's another one. I'm just giving you names like St. Bruno. When I read the chapter in this book called Persecuted from Within, I thought of St. Bruno. I said, he didn't give up. So when you have somebody say bad things about you, even if it's a priest, I'll, I'll just give you an example. I mean, like Joan of Arc's another one, but I'll never forget 1979 when I was just a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, 22-year-old kid at the Religious Ed Congress promoting Bishop Sheen's life is worth living. And the priest said to me, I, I, I said, Father, I've got these Bishop Sheen cassette tapes. It would be great for your homily. And he said, young man, you can throw those cassette tapes in the trash. I said, really? He said, yeah. Bishop Sheen's teachings are antiquated. That's the word he used. They're no longer valid for the modern church. So go run along and just you know stop doing what you're doing. Now, I could have said... Okay, Father, thank you. And I stopped. But I said, no, no, no. I, I, my love for Jesus Christ was too great. I, those cassette tapes on records that I put on the cassette touched me so profoundly. I knew that priest wasn't right. And I said in my head, I said to my, verbally, I said, okay, thank you, Father. Have a great day. And then I said to myself, 
I'm going to I'm going to prove to him that he's dead wrong about Bishop Sheen. And then for the last 44 years, 45 years, I guess that is now, I've been promoting Bishop Sheen. Why? Because it's the truth. And again, the saints have all, and because we're called to be a saint. I'm, I'm under construction. So is Matt. So are you. We're working on it. But don't give up. So Matt, let's continue with the benefits of, of having Thomas Akempis as your, in a sense, spiritual director, because not everybody can have a spiritual director, my friend. That's right. That's that's something I've been talking about for years and years. You know, it was I was, you know, become a new Catholic and you're watching UWTN and they're sure. telling you, oh, you got to have a spiritual director, got to have a spiritual director. It's like, I don't know what's happening in the rest of the country, but man, in Los Angeles, finally, you know, they're, they're as scarce as hen's teeth. <laughs> <You know? laughs> even funny. talking to, to some of these really good priests. Yeah, going, it's difficult. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like, you listen to my sermons, you know, and, and come to, you know, me in confession and, and, and be satisfied because I don't have yeah. the time to. Exactly. You know, there's a direction. And, and and that's the thing. It's it's important about to have a knowledge of ourselves. That's one of the things that Akempis, Thomas Akempis really, really um, uh, focuses on, yeah. right? Know thyself. Yeah. yeah, emphasizes. That's what we're looking for. You know, he says, um, always think kindly of others while holding yourself as nothing. That's true wisdom and leads to perfection. Well, how so? Well, he gives us an example. He says, if you see someone else commit a grievous sin... You see someone whose faults are so flagrant, right? Mm-hmm. Don't regard yourself as better. Exactly. For you do not know what you would do if similarly tempted. Great point. Right? That's yep. the Gandalf and Lord of the Rings. Don't be too quick to hand out death and judgment, right? Because you don't know. Right. He, he says, uh, Thomas Kemba says, you're in a good disposition now, but you don't know how long you'll preserve in it. Right. Always keep in mind, and this is a, this is a good way, to, you know, you want to keep your faith. You, you talked about some of the bad things that are happening and some of the bad actors in the church, okay? But you want to hang on to your faith. You need to realize uh, what he says here. Keep in mind that all are frail, right? We live, we're, we're fallen people. We live in a fallen world. He says, keep in mind that all are frail, but none is more frail than yourself. Right. And I think that's the key. You also, I, I wanted to comment on one other thing. You you mentioned um, voluntarily denying yourself certain pleasures. Yes, that's part of being a Christian, man. Right, self-discipline, yeah. taming the desires of the flesh. Yeah. Well, and and of course, we we are in a season. We're in a penitential season, fasting, abstaining from certain foods uh, or activities or whatever, practicing self-control and moderation. It's part of the Christian life. And and there's a word for it. It's called mortification. Now, sometimes you read about these saints and, you know, not only how intransigent they were in regard to uh, the faith, you know, not compromising on the faith, but when it came to mortification, some of these people, like uh, I remember reading uh, Teresa of Avila and her confessor said that, that she would often use the discipline until the blood came. I'm yeah. going, what is, what is he talking about? And the discipline, it's not, it's not just the act, but it was actually what they called that she had like a little cord, knotted cord. Yeah. And she flagellate herself with right. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think anybody's really recommending that uh, these days. Nope. Right. That that kind of extreme form of mortification that should be done in moderation. But um, the concept is rooted in you know self denial and yeah. and self discipline. And it's the words of our Lord Himself, Luke nine twenty three. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Yep. Right. What is, what does that suggest to you? Yeah. That, that following Jesus, it, it means you have to be willing to sacrifice. You have to be willing to deny yourself for the sake of the kingdom of God. 
and and when you you know mortification that's practiced with the right intention right. with moderation mm -hmm. it is a means of growing in virtue it is a means of developing self-control it's a means of, of deepening your spiritual life it helps to detach yourself exactly. from worldly pleasures and and then fosters that spirit of humility and dependence on god that we were talking before and the important thing here is to understand that it, it shouldn't be pursued for its own sake, exactly. right? Mortification is a means to uh, to earn salvation, right? Yeah. Salvation is a gift of God's grace. And our efforts need to be directed towards uh, uh, corresponding with that grace, with faith and love and obedience. And moderation should be approached with prudence. And you said, guided by spiritual direction. If you don't have a spiritual director, yeah. you'll go to a campus. And the campus says that. He says, you know, your mortifications, you should... Uh, practice the mortifications that are suggested to you by your spiritual director and not your own, because that's just another form of, of you know, uh, pleasing yourself. Exactly. Oh, I like these mortifications. Oh, boy, that's going to make me holy. That's the one I'm going to do. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it's 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 something that is a matter of discernment and has to proceed from a sincere desire to grow closer to God. Yeah. Can I ask you this, Matthew? I'm going to jump in because we only have a couple minutes. I think another oh, area we need to cover, and Thomas Akempis, you know, talks about this, but um, the custody of the eyes. We live in a world right now where, let's be honest, we've never had these phones, the TV. I mean, for centuries, man didn't have to have all these images throwing at, being thrown at him every day. You're going to drive down the freeway and you see images that are bad. The, oh, cus the custody of the eyes... Tell us a little bit about why that is so important when it comes to your spiritual life. Well, custody, I, I talked a, a bit about the concupiscence. Yes, you did. I think we, we, we think custody of the eyes and we immediately think, well, okay, I didn't look at any pornography, so I'm good. Right. And it's like, no, it's, it's more, more than that. It's more than averting your eyes, you know, when you go to the beach or, right. or you know, to, to avoid. Sure. And, and that kind of thing, boy, um, Keeping good custody of your eyes in that sense is really, really hard. So you live in Southern California. I mean, you can't right. drive down the, the freeway without right. seeing a, a billboard that would, you know, That's right. uh, be offensive to, to good morals. Yep. But it's, you know, concupiscence, custody of the eyes is about um, seeking knowledge and that, that is going to help you to grow in love for Christ and his church. Amen. It's about keeping custody of your eyes is not wasting your time and your spirit on things for which you are not going to be judged at the end of, at the end of all things. I don't need to worry so much about, uh, you know, some Cardinals sins. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's that, that's sad. And I'm, and I'm going to make reparation and I'm going to do my best. But, but a campus tells us, you know, the key to uh, having a Holy church is having Holy members. Amen. And that, starts, that doesn't start with, with whoever I happen to be criticizing this week, that starts with me. Amen. Right. And that concupiscence of the eyes, get your eyes off of that and get your eyes on Jesus. That's yep. what keep us of the eyes is about. You nailed it, man. I want to give a plug to our, our social media that we're doing here at Virgin most powerful radio. We have nearly 34,700 YouTube watchers that watch clips from our shows. And I think, you know, hundreds of thousands of downloads. I mean, some of our YouTube channels have uh, things we put out have four or five hundred thousand um, views. But how does that happen? Well, I want to ask you, our listener, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. I should I should be doing this on a regular basis. I don't, but go to Full Sheen Ahead. That's our YouTube channel in honor of Bishop Sheen, and say I want to subscribe. That way, we get support 
here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And our YouTube channel will grow. And more times from somebody searching, like they search for Bishop Joseph Strickland, they're going to get tons of videos by Bishop Strickland because we have them every, every, twice a, a week. Or if they typed in Matthew Arnold, you know, or they typed in the Terry and Jesse show. So what I'm asking everybody to do is help us promote through social media, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, whether it's your, your is it called X now, Matthew? It's Twitter. <laughs> I know I, I can't get used to that, but the, right, X. the platform formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. And just uh, and Facebook and those other places, you know, it's like wherever you wherever you're looking, you know, yeah. then you tell the the people that uh, connect with you that they should be looking our way as well. And the reason I bring that up is I had a beautiful testimony of a couple who watched some of us with uh, what was our Monday show with Father Charles Murr. And we were talking about marriage and how living at, you know, an irregular, they call it irregular marriage, meaning that you're in a second marriage, you're, you're committing adultery, okay? But some people don't want to say it. So we said it, and it affected the woman at first in an angry way. She was upset, but then she realized that she was an instrument of her husband going to hell because they never looked at their first marriage to get annulled and to get married in the Catholic Church. They were living in sin. And it came to their conclusion. And they wrote us this letter saying, thank you for not compromising. Well, that's what we do here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We don't compromise the truth. And I thank you for allowing us to do that. If you want to become a monthly donor, go to vmpr.org. Join our team. It's Team Jesus, as Jesse would say. Matt Arnold, what state should we be living in, brother? That would be the state of grace, Terry. Absolutely. And then remember, Our Lady of Fatima. She said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. We can unite our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world. Look up Colossians chapter 1. It's all there. An amazing thing we can do. Whether you're four years old or a hundred years old, we can all give it all to Jesus Christ. And again, if you want to get that imitation of Christ, go to catholicrc.org on our website. You can download that. Or go to your local bookstore if you want to read it. It's there, Catholic. Yep. All right. Thanks again, and God bless you and your family. And thanks for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Full sheen ahead here.